This is the Women with Vision podcast, where we get real with some of the leading entrepreneurial superwomen about what it takes to build a business online and beyond with kids, husbands, and everything else. Hey there, superwomen. I am so excited to have my next guest on. And, you know, I was just having a brief conversation about some of the things she does. It reminded me of another organization where they were bringing women together and really allowing them to open up about their truth. And I'm excited about this because I have such a, a, a drive and a heart for mental health and for people, for us taking the stigma off of mental health and being able to be our authentic self. So I'm excited about talking to about talking to her about this. Dr. Elise Sanchez, how are you? Hi, I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me on here. Yes, yes. So we're both in California. You're not, not too far from me. How long have you been uh, a therapist and what was the reason you became a doctor in the first place? Sure. So in the mental health field now, almost 10 years. Wow. Um, psychologist. I graduated in 2014. So was that like seven years? Mm-hmm. And I've always been like, like I'm a natural born healer helper. Like that's just oldest daughter of an oldest daughter. Yes. <laughs> and you know, Latina culture, that's, you know, automatic like responsibility. Second mom was a overachiever. And, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist, I like to say. Wow. <laughs> I'm like that. Yeah, recovering perfectionist, workaholic, um, hustler. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatrician. And then I went on a retreat to my old high school. I went to a Catholic high school. And so I did a know yourself talk. And I was very vulnerable. And I opened up and shared my story. And I just saw how powerful that was. Nice. And I swear I heard God's voice or like my inner voice, whatever you want to call it. But it was just psychologist like it just clicked Mm. Um, I went back to school changed my major and that was the best decision I ever made I loved all my classes that I took it was just so fascinating to me but I honestly went in wanting to help other people but didn't know that I would ultimately be like helping and saving myself like a lot of times right yeah the healing work that I had to do to be able to help other people I didn't realize was going to start with me. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Oh my goodness. Was it- therapy class was like, tell me about your family. You know, a marriage and family, like a relationship class was like, let's talk about your past relationship. So it was like really intense and yeah, really inward. And so that's where I, cause I didn't grow up talking about my feelings. I didn't grow up, you know, yeah, learning how to process what I was feeling and express that. So it was, really interesting but yeah that was why i went in (laughs) you know this is interesting because you know african-american culture is similar to latin culture in that mental health has still a stigma you know it's not something we talk about i mean we i've had this conversation many times with people saying that you know with you know with black women or black people we're just keep we just say just keep it going. You don't have time to be crazy, right? That's kind of the thing, right? Woman complex. We all have that, like, keep going. We're strong. We're tough. We're right. resilient. Especially yeah. the women. 
Yeah, which is a great quality to have, but we're still people and we burn out and we're tired and we have feelings and we hit our breaking point. And yeah, the stigma is huge still. I feel like it has improved a little bit and people are a little more open to therapy and like talking about mental health and things now, but like the church doesn't help, you know, like just pray, go to Jesus, go to to church, you know, everything. And yes, we go to him for certain things, but like we still have to put in the work. Like we still have to, you know, do our part. So. So true. So true. So let's go back into your background. I know, you know, being a Latina, being an overachiever, being the, the, the first daughter of the first daughter, all this responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, was it, was it a thing that you had to be a doctor? Was that put on your shoulders? Like, no. so, so thank, thank God. I'll give that to my parents. Um, <clears throat> my family, I'm third generation born on this side of the colonial border. So I'm, I'm really privileged in that sense that um, like the machismo stuff, I mean, there was still hints of it there. Like my mom stayed at home for a little bit and then went to work. Um, But she did most of like the cooking, cleaning, housework, like taking us to school, taking us to practice, all of that stuff. And, but there wasn't ever pressure. It was always pretty open, like be whatever you want. But there was the expectation that I was gonna go to college. Because it was like, you're smart, you're gonna go to school. And so for me growing up, my mom really instilled in me, you're going to make your own money. You're not going to depend on a man to support you. You're going to get educated and be whatever you want to be. But it wasn't tied to a doctor. I was the one that always put a lot of the pressure on myself. Mm. So they were never like, get straight A's. It was me like, oh, I got to be, you know. Right. (laughs) So, but I picked that up from somewhere. I learned, I was conditioned that when I was smart or doing well or performing, that I got validation, right? That people praised me, that I made people happy. And so then I was almost like, and there's addiction in my family. And so I definitely have like that addictive personality. And I was almost like addicted to that. Yeah. Like, let me keep performing. What else can I accomplish? What else can I do? And um, that's where like the perfectionism and everything came in the overachieving the you know hustler yeah uh, because we have to get our validation ourselves we have to give that to ourselves and where are we taught that our parents don't teach us that we don't learn self-esteem and self-love and self-validation like no you know it's interesting because I was the oldest child and um, my mom always told me I was smart and I had that same thing. Well, I have to live up to that. And I was really like pushing myself and same thing, hustler and, you know, overachiever. What do you think some of the difficulties that you've had to overcome throughout your life that really prepared you for what you're doing now? Um, definitely being a first, I was the first in my family to go to college and graduate from college. Wow. So um, that was huge doing that on my own, like without having my parents to go to for guidance or like an older sibling or anyone just kind of like navigating it on my own was really hard. And I was privileged, though, where I was able to go to Catholic school most of my life. And then I went to a Christian college my first four years. So like smaller environment where like my teachers knew me, knew if I wasn't in class. And so that helped me stay on track. 
but predominantly white school. So being the only like woman of color in that space and then already feeling like I didn't belong because nobody in my family had done it was really challenging. And that kind of stuck with me for a while um, as I got my master's and then got my doctorate and then became a professional. And like all of a sudden now I'm in academia and like I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, but I still had no idea what the hell I was doing. Right. Um, and then like in my own mind, so it was all, a lot of it was me, but a lot of it, like, this is why I hate using the term imposter syndrome, because I'm like, as women of color, a lot of these things are put on us and these systems that we're interacting with were not created for us. So we don't feel like we belong because we don't. Right. That's <laughs> true. there. So I try not to use that, but it was, it was a really big sense of like, I'm a fraud. Everyone's going to figure out, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and I don't belong here. So then being young, being Brown, being the first, like, how does a psychologist dress? Like, what should I look like? What? So that was really tough in the beginning until I was finally like, I, don't, I can't cuss on here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Girl, come on. <laughs> I was like, fuck this. Like, this is who I am yeah. and I'm showing up like this and this is what a psychologist wears because I'm a psychologist and this is how I dress. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, and that is it. And yeah, I'm young and I don't have to prove anything. I went to school. I did all the things. And, but that was probably the hardest, like the, the biggest obstacle because it was all a lot in my mind. And then, yeah, just battling these systems and the, you know, being in academia and it's yeah. tough. Now, did you did you uh, thrive in academia? Like, so you've graduated, you're now a doctor, and now this is what I find. You know, we go through the thing, we get the degree, we get the whatever, the doctor. We we have all these things, and then we get into the professional world, and now we're dealing with a whole nother set of challenges. Hurdles, yeah. Right, because you're not you're not the same you know, and uh, so what have you, what did you experience there? Like once you got into the professional world, the expectations of you, um, are they higher? Are they higher that you feel like, what, what do you, what did you feel? Um, I was blessed to work in academic spaces that were very diverse. So I didn't feel out of place there. Like that was a different, it was more, I worked at a community college first. And so there it was more like anybody who was new, almost like got everything thrown at them. Like you were voluntold what you're going to do. <laughs> right. Um, and it's like, I'm new. I have to like pay my dues. So you just did it. And so it was like saying yes to everything and like learning boundaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was the challenge. Um, and then when I was in the private university in like a high position, I was like the director of clinical training, like training our future therapists and psychologists. I ran my own department. And, but we used to say our school was like a HBCU because everybody was black and brown, like yeah. our, and women, we were all women, Wow. department chairs, our vice president. Wow. Yeah. So it was a very like welcoming, supportive environment, but we still had to like fight, you know, the higher powers that be for certain things. Like these are who our students are and this is what they need type of thing. Not like you telling them what is best for them. Um, so that was probably the biggest challenge was more just like the bureaucracy and politics stuff, but not so much me feeling like I had to prove anything in those spaces, which was really, I'm glad for for that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
but then just after like thinking that I wanted like the ultimate goal was doctor and psychologist but then realizing like that's not where I'm meant to be you know like interesting it's, yeah like just knowing like I want more I meant for more and just like the mental health field in itself is still very much like white dominated like psychology it's you know like academia everything was built around like a white man and so for like my clients and for myself like we don't fit into those boxes yeah <laughs> and so it's easy to say we're abnormal or there's something wrong but we have to look deeper than that and so that's always a challenge for me is like balancing that role of I want more for my life and I want to participate and like, you know, rise up. But how do I do that staying true to me and to my culture and my values without like oppressing myself, right? Yes. Like it's it's just like a constant. <laughs> it is. That's it's exhausting too. Exhausting. Yes. Is that what created you, you know, or had you to create your business, Speak the Secret? And I love that. Actually, gives me a little bit of goosebumps even saying it. Speak the secret. It's like so deep because there are so many things that are within us, deep within us that we can't even express yes. on a day to day. I want to bring tears are coming to my eyes thinking about mm -hmm. how we have to, even my girlfriend and I were talking about code switching and just how we have to live our life on the day to day. Is that what really created this? Yeah. So during COVID, um, I always wanted to start a podcast and COVID just forced me to do it. It was like, now is the perfect time. I'm working from home. My, my um, full-time job is I work for the Los Angeles Department of Mental Health, LA County Department of Mental oh, Health, yes. for them. but I'm not doing direct work with clients. I'm more working with families involved with Department Child Family Services and referring them to resources and getting them connected to therapy. Mm -hmm. So we were really slow. We weren't getting a lot of referrals because kids weren't in school. And a lot of our referrals come from the teachers reporting abuse and stuff, which is really unfortunate. And that's like a whole other story. Like all these kids that were home, you know, we don't know what's happening what's going to them. On? Right. Um, and so it just felt like the perfect opportunity. Like I was to the point where I couldn't sleep. Like I was just like, my creative muse was just like, let me out already. It was just, I kept feeling this like pulling at me. So I finally pulled the trigger and just started the dang podcast. And the name was Speak the Secret that came to me um, because I wanted it to be twofold. I wanted to highlight like people's secrets to success, like speak your secret, like you being you and being authentic. And how has that gotten you to where you're at? But also the flip side of it, like the secrets that we hold in, like the shame and like those types of things, talking about like taboo things that people don't like talking about. Um, but it's funny because when I started it, this was my intention. I wanted it to be like for black indigenous people of color or like people, of color, whoever you, however you identified as like non-white basically. But I'm like, how do I... And people were giving me advice and I let it, you know, get to me. And so I didn't promote it that way, but I only had people of color as my guests. Um, and so then when I started shifting, because people started reaching out and wanting therapy, but I can't do therapy with people out of state. Right. And 
coaching was always in my mind. I just was like, I'm going to start my, my own little side thing of doing coaching and teach people to heal and to do, because I started, I got my own coach. I've been in therapy on and off. I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Um, and I personally like going when things are going well, because then I want to see like what stuff comes up when I'm in like a good space. Right. Um, where people think like you have to be in crisis or your life has to be falling apart. But no, I like to go just for personal development and right. let's work on what stuff is in my subconscious that starts coming up, you know? And so the coaching thing came about because I started getting my own coaching and it just wasn't, I worked with a lot of white women and it's, there was just such a disconnect. Like, yes. and so <laughs> That's when I was like, I need to be in this space. Like I need to be, and the women that are attracted to me that come looking for coaching, that's what it is. They work in academia or they're the first in their profession or um, they're like the only person of color in an all white space. And like, they need that community and that connection and someone to like process with. It's not gonna be like, oh, it's just your mindset. Like, right. oh, it's a negative belief. Just, you know, stop thinking that way. Shut you down. Yeah. Like my experience was like, okay, let's meditate. And like, okay, yeah, that's great. We can meditate, but that doesn't help resolve what I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> you know? And that's what happens all the time. We're just dismissed or we're blamed for how we're feeling when it's like, there's this whole other thing of, you know, external systems and things that we're interacting with that are impacting our mindset and our limiting beliefs and the stories we're telling ourselves. And if you're not a person of color, you don't get that. No, unfortunately you do not. No. And, uh, and, and not always interested in getting it. Exactly. Yeah. But because we have to get it in order to survive, you know, people of color. Yeah, exactly. And so just shifting that was like to, I want, I was in survival mode for such a long time. And so many of us are. Yeah. And I want to help people shift from that. Like, how do we get out of survival mode and like really thrive? Yeah. How do we like really own who we are and unlearn and deprogram and, you know, all the conditioning and stuff we've had. And even when we're in these spaces that are still like <laughs> constantly challenging us, like we always have almost have to do like double the work to, you know, be positive and like have grit and push through when you're like almost being triggered all the time, you know, like constantly being told you don't belong here or you're not good enough or you're not smart enough. And it's exhausting. And yeah. so you need to have that space where you can process that out loud with someone that's not going to tell you you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Oh my goodness. What is, uh, what's inspiring you? What inspires you today? I know you, you were talking about letting your creative muse out. So yeah. now it's out. What keeps you inspired? For me, a lot of it is I talk a lot about like, we inherit trauma and generational stuff from our whole entire lineage, but we also get so much like strength and resilience and power. Like that all comes in it too. We don't just get the bad stuff, right? right. So call it your inner voice or like my, I like to call it like ancestral wisdom or, or God creator, like whatever you believe in, um, just getting quiet enough to listen to that. And 
And that's a big part of why like these systems keep us busy and burned out and like running our wheels because they don't want us to tap into that power. And so that's really what I've started listening to. Like when I get those hunches, when I get that feeling in my gut, um, when I'm connected to someone that like our paths just randomly cross, like I don't think it's random. Like we were meant to meet and connect for a certain reason. Um, and just those kinds of things are what inspire me. Like, or hearing other people's stories of, yeah, how they took that leap of faith or how they trusted their gut and their intuition. Cause like, I believe that we all hold all the answers inside. Like we know, and we just let the fear hold us back. And so that's, what's inspiring for me, hearing other people's stories and hearing other people like take their power back and use it to give back. And that's one thing too, is that like, especially women of color, we take other people with us. Yes. We're very much about like, if one of us makes it, we all make it. Yes. And so it's not a competition. Like it's a sisterhood. It's us collaborating. It's us in community. And it's just so beautiful. And it just feels so like powerful that, you know, we're all out there speaking our secret and living our truth and doing what, you know, our ancestors couldn't. Yeah, that's so true. I think about, it's funny because I think about my ancestors a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I know I'm driven by that. Like, you know, no matter what I'm going through today, it's nothing compared to what they went through and I am their wildest dream. Yes. And I am like holding it. I'm like, I am holding on to it. Like yeah. I am doing the best I possibly can because you survived. Yeah. And we were meant to be here for such a time as this. Yeah. And we're who they've been praying for and waiting for. And so anybody I meet that has that, like, I'm never happy. I need to be doing more. I, you know, not the, but not the like toxic hustler, like workaholic, but like the deep down, like I know I'm meant for something great. Yeah. That's where that comes from. Yeah. And we just have to listen to it and trust it and know that God gave us everything we need to get it. We just have to go out there and get it. <laughs> that's it. Literally, that's it. I love that. What advice would you give to another woman of color who was you know, know she is meant for more, know she has something deep inside of her that she wants to really get out. How, what would you tell her to do first? Oh, first to listen to that and to honor that, like that was put there for a reason. Like you don't just have, cause most people are just complacent, right? They're just totally okay with not being happy in their job, having an okay marriage. Having, but there's some of us that are like, I want to break these generational patterns. I'm going to set my lineage up for healing and strength and growth. And, you know, so listening to that. And I always say like journaling or meditating because that helps you get quiet and like really tap into what's really in your heart, like quieting out all, making all, all the noise go away so that you can really listen to what you really want. Um, and the answers will come and you will get confirmations. Like you'll know, like I literally get goosebumps. Like I'll feel it when I'm in alignment and I'm meeting the right people. And, you know, and then when I don't, I ask, like I pray about it. And I ask, like you reveal to me 
how are you going to use me for this? Like what? Yeah. Like what I'm is the purpose so, of this meeting of this relationship yeah. of this, of this yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. You tell me. And cause that's what a lot of people, I think we, we pray. It's like, give me this or give me that or, but no, it's really praying to help him reveal to us what we're meant to do. How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to show up? How do you want me to help? Um, but yeah, it really starts with listening to yourself, journaling or meditating, getting quiet, trusting that voice, and then just taking action and finding community, like finding people that, that get it. Cause that's part of the growing pains that I don't think anybody talks about. Like we talk about growth and leveling up and all these things, but there's also like a grief and loss piece. Like when you outgrow your parents and can't go to them for advice anymore, or maybe your closest circle of friends aren't supporting you and you maybe have to get new friends or, you know, or, or you have support like me, my parents, my family, friends, everybody supports me, but they don't get it. It's just like a different. So then I have other friends where it's like, they're all doing podcasts and they're all writing books and they're all, you know, so then I feel like I can do those things too, you know, but when I tell them, they're like, Oh, cool. Good for you. And they're excited and they support me, but it's just a very different conversation, a very different vibe. Of course. You need to surround yourself with those people that get it so that you can stay inspired <laughs> and keep so true. Yeah, I think that's one of the first things I would tell people, find your tribe, find your people, find your women that get, get it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if nothing else, get into a community or find a peer advisory group, something. Something. And then I always say therapy or coaching, but you have to find someone who's a good fit. Yeah. Because they're not, like I've heard horror stories about both therapists and coaches, psychologists, and it's really unfortunate because then that's like their first experience and they're like, screw that, I'm never doing that again. It was terrible. Right. Um, But there are good ones out there. (laughs) So good. Okay, so if they go to speakthesecret.co, speakthesecret.co, they can find out more information about you, about working with you. Where do they find you online? Where do they find you on Instagram? Yeah, so right now I'm expecting my second baby any day now. Okay. Um, so I've down a lot on social media, but I did get really active in March to like July. Uh, so on Instagram, you could find me at Dr. Elise Sanchez, so just my name, D-R-E-L-I-S-E-S-A-N-C-H-E-Z. Uh, I do also have at speak underscore the underscore secret underscore, so the podcast is on there as well. Um, but I have taken a break from the podcast for a while. I did one season of 21 episodes and it was more of like a, that was my passion project and it was like, just do it. And I was so excited. And so now I'm just thinking of how I'm going to bring it back and how I want to revamp it um, before I come back to that. And then I'm on TikTok, Dr. Elise Sanchez and yeah. Facebook. Um, there's Speak the Secret page on Facebook as well. Yeah, I'm on most platforms <laughs> trying to get with the times and be more active online. It's the only way to these days. It's so funny. Well, definitely check her out, Dr. Lee Sanchez. She's going to be with Child soon, but you're definitely check her out. And I'm so excited that you're doing this project with us, and we're looking forward to all the amazing things that's coming to uh, to fruition very, very soon. So good luck with you, and I look forward to. Uh, to many more of these conversations. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for this platform and the amazing work you're doing too to 
highlight and uplift us and bring our stories out there because there's so many of us doing amazing things and we're all too humble to do it on our own. It's so true. <laughs> and over so that true. too. <laughs> <laughs>